Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast. It is me, Kenzie Elizabeth, and today we are back with a very exciting episode. This is actually a podcast swap. So I talked with Yola Roberts of the I Suck at Life podcast, and she's actually posting her episode with me today. So today, instead of just one hour of podcast content from me, you guys are basically getting two. It's very exciting. I love her. I love this episode. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So we will get to that soon. So very quickly, I just wanted to kind of update you guys on my life. A lot of, you know, the latest breadwinning housewife vibe. But before we even do that, I wanted to say thank you so much to the response to last week's episode. It was incredible. I think it's probably the most important podcast episode I've ever posted. If you guys haven't listened to it, I'd really recommend it. It was with my best friend, Dom Roberts, who has honestly blown up on social media recently because she's just been sharing so much valuable content regarding Black Lives Matter and just so many things that are so incredible. And I just want to say, obviously, I said this on my YouTube channel and Instagram, but I just obviously I wanted to cover it here, like just because we are going back to kind of integrating quote unquote normal content again. That doesn't mean that the battle is over, the fight is over or that I'm any less committed or I mean any less like almost involved, I guess. Like I'm still trying to do the absolute best I can do. Anyway, so if you guys haven't listened to that episode, I would really, really recommend it. I think it's a really great listen. Also, it's just good to like hear perspectives and, you know, things from like especially Dom because she's the best person ever. And she is also, you guys, number one requested podcast guest on the I Love You So Much podcast. So you guys should go listen. Anyways, honestly, all last week, I literally was home watching documentaries, reading, basically taking in as much content as I possibly could as we were all kind of paused on social media. And that was really great. This past weekend, I kind of was like, okay, I think I need to like do a little self-care because I haven't been doing that at all. And I spent a lot of time on the rooftop. And then I realized, you know, there's more work to be done in my house, you know, back to my breadwinning housewife vibes. I hate my office. I absolutely hate it. I don't even want to say I'm redoing it because I just never really did it. I threw a desk and a chair in here and like, that's it. So I decided that I'm painting one of the walls black and then covering that as an entire gallery wall and that will be done very very quickly I really want to give myself a pat on the back because if you guys watched my vlogs in my LA house then you guys would know how long it took me to frame the prints above my couch well I'm here to tell you that 22 Kinsey Piper has really matured and grown into an actual adult again with the breadwinning housewife ways that I have since acquired through COVID-19 And not only did I buy all new prints yesterday to get them all ready, but I went to Ikea this morning to pick up the frames. Can you believe that? I also want to say frames are disturbingly expensive. Oh my gosh. But Ikea, you can get really great deals. They're definitely the cheapest there. I like those the best. It's the easiest for me. That's where I always get my stuff and I always get my prints from Society6. So anyways, just, you know, same old, same old over here. But I wanted to share a few things I've been loving. I actually have two things that I wanted to share and these are both black women run businesses. The first one I want to shout out is Jane Dottie Vintage. I just got my scrunchies in the mail today. They are so freaking cute. They are so big. I got the large and then I got a purple and a pink. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed. You can get so many different sizes. And I just think that it's the most beautiful scrunchies you'll ever have. So if you're a scrunchie fanatic like me, you got to check her out. I actually posted about her on the I Love You So Much Instagram page. But seriously, I just love her stuff. She also has like other vintage stuff. And I saw she had some like vintage like Dior dresses and stuff. And it was just like really dope. The second business I wanted to shout out is Neon Cowboys. So guys, okay, I posted because I actually recently got an acrylic 
cowboy hat, which I know is probably the most me thing I've ever purchased. And then I posted that to my Instagram. And then um, I think they DM'd me or something. But I had already wanted a neon cowboys hat. If you guys are not aware, they're literally like light up cowboy hats that neon colors are super fun. Casey Musgraves did a collab with them for her tour. And those are white and they're really cool. But these are you know, I mean, I think they're the most incredible things that have ever happened to this world. So today on Instagram, I actually purchased a bright pink one because I saw it. So Asia Hall owns it. And then I saw they posted that they were having all these problems because of COVID and they're manufactured in China and all these things. So I wanted to support. They're also having so many financial problems right now, but they still are pledging to donate 100% of the profits of their neon mask like for the covid glow mask to grassroots la and black women owned businesses through digital undivided so asia hall i believe would be like ceo she owns it she is a black businesswoman and i think she's the most incredible person ever and literally like this is the coolest brand i've ever seen i also got some little like cactus like shot glasses to make some drinks and literally so freaking cute guys so i would definitely check those out especially if you guys like kind of things that i post because it's really just right up my alley oh my gosh and then my favorite follow i just i normally share this in the newsletter but i had to share it here because it is just next level so it's nala hayes she's a four-year-old guys first off she wears better outfits than me every single day. She's four. She poses better than me. She's cuter than me. She has a better style than me. She has better poses than me. She has better pictures than me. Like, unfollow me on Instagram, honestly, and follow her because she's incredible. I cannot believe that she's four years old. I think she's the cutest, most beautiful little girl ever, obviously, besides my niece. But, oh, my gosh, I'm obsessed with her. Literally, I'm taking style inspo from a four-year-old. Obviously, I know it's her mom who is, you know, taking these photos and stuff. But, you know, it's fine, okay? Credit or credit too i love her and i just oh my gosh she honestly has replaced samson the dude on instagram for me i think and that's like a really big claim for me to make so i just absolutely love her okay guys so i'm so excited to be doing this episode with yola seriously it's so fun we talk about her like kind of writing career how she's gotten into forbes kind of her process behind that as well as moving back home i think that's a really important thing to kind of talk about and address right now because I know a lot of you guys are either moving back home because you graduated or because you know COVID related things you know so we talk a lot about that stuff career advice post-college post-COVID all of that stuff I think you guys are really gonna like this if you guys like my podcast you would definitely like hers so also if you guys are new here hi I'm Kinsey also do not forget to follow our Instagram it's just the ILYSM podcast join the Facebook group. It's so much fun in there. And then as always, join the newsletter, guys. You want to join the mailing list? I promise you guys will absolutely love these. They are very fun and I work very hard on them. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's get started. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thriving inside. That's why I'm calling it thriving yeah. inside. So we are doing a podcast swap. So there is going to be an episode on this podcast and as well as on I Cycle podcast. So I will have that one linked below. But do you want to give them a little one minute bio on yourself? Yes. So first off, thank you for having me on the show. I'm so excited for our swap. Of course. Um, so I'm Yola. <laughs> I am the host of the I Suck at Life podcast. And I'm also a senior contributor to Forbes, and I write for The Zoe Report and Elite Daily and a few other lifestyle publications. And I'm a hopeful future TikToker, future viral TikToker. <laughs> We're working on it. Right We're now. working on the TikTok. I literally cannot wait to get into talking about Forbes. When Dear Media was in Forbes, like last year, my photo was on it, like not even my name. And I was like, oh my gosh, guys, I made it to Forbes, like blah, blah, blah. And Taylor, we actually share our producer, fun fact. Taylor was like, no, you actually did. Like you're literally on Forbes. So anyways, you're just like regularly, like your work is actually featured in Forbes. So can't wait to talk about that. But before we get into that, let's do a little game of hot seat. So first question and my favorite question, what is the best purchase you've made under $100 in the past six months? Okay, so I made this purchase after quarantine because I realized how unorganized my makeup was and like my brushes and like everything. So it's like this clear like container of with several compartments and a place for like my brushes and place for my like eyeshadow and bronzers. It's a, a makeup organizer. And I think it was like 30 bucks on Amazon. That really is the best purchase. Anything organizational. It just really like, it takes your mood up. Like you feel like you have your life together. Like it's just a good thing. I literally like I'm on Amazon every day trying to find like new like compartments now I'm looking at like shoe racks and like a lot of these shoes I'm like am I gonna wear them again like will I ever wear these like 
six inch heels. I haven't worn heels since quarantine, obviously. Oh yeah, no. I've worn jeans twice in the past like two and a half months. You are you are winning. I don't think I've worn I've worn like leggings, sweatpants, some more leggings. I wore jeans once, but that's about it. I'm just not that person that feels the need to like I work from home I regularly have worked from home working from home during this is definitely different than like my normal work from home routine but I'm not the person like I get ready every day but like my style is very athleisure anyways so like I wear sweats anyways and like I feel like I'm fully put together for the day like I'm not like working in my pajamas but I'm not gonna put jeans on. you were ready for this you were made for this I've been practicing for quarantine for quite some time okay I'm already a homebody and I live in sweats so I was made for this lifestyle actually for my stay-at-home lifestyle I think I was made for it you know you are thriving you're thriving in it with your rooftop pool and deck my rooftop so pool jealous. it sounds like I actually have like a pool it's like a kiddie pool <laughs> but you know same thing okay. it's better that you're it's better than most people's rooftop right now <laughs> yeah that's true All right, guys, really quickly, I just wanted to talk to you guys about Beachbody. So I know a lot of us are still at home. I am still working out at home. And actually, I think I have officially turned into an at-home workout person. Did not see this coming in 2020, but you know, what else is new? So again, it comes as no surprise that most of us are just kind of stuck inside of our homes for a while. So I wanted to share Beachbody On Demand with you guys. So it is the easy-to-use streaming service that gives you instant access to over 1,300 super effective workouts suited for anybody at any time. The secret to getting results is getting started. So this is the company behind P90X, Insanity, and 21 Day Fix. And now you're able to check out some of Beachbody's newest programs like Morning Meltdown 100 and 80 Day Obsession. I like their bar kind of Pilates style classes. I also really like that there's so many different options. Like I can do so many different types of workouts with this program. They also have the best trainers. You can also get motivated by celebrity super trainers, you know, like Tony Horton, Joel Freeman, Jericho McMatthews, just so many. There's hundreds of effective workouts for all fitness levels, ranging from bodybuilding to weight training to cardio to HIIT to yoga and even dance workouts, which are super fun. You can work out on your own schedule. This is why I love working out from home. It's so easy. Also, there's no commute and you get ready faster after. It's so nice. So again, workouts as short as 10 minutes that don't even require extra equipment. So you can just squeeze anything in throughout the day. You can access it anywhere and anytime. You can view it on your computer, your TV, tablet, smartphone, Roku, Apple TV, Chromecast, all of it. It is the best deal in fitness. So listeners of the I Love You So Much podcast can try it absolutely free. I've loved trying this out because I love working out at home. I find that it just saves me so much time and I can't really avoid working out because there's just no way that I can't, you know, fit something in at least like a 30 minute workout throughout the day when it's from home. So right now my listeners can get a special free trial membership when you text I love you to 303030. Again, that is I love you to 303030. You will get full access to the entire platform for free. All the workouts, nutrition information, and support totally free. Just text I love you with no spaces to 303030. Okay, guys, let's get back to the episode. Hey, girl, hey. Welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all. But then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. Okay, number two, what is your favorite makeup essential? And I know you just gave us that would kind of be, but we'll do like product essential. Okay, so I love Anastasia Beverly Hills, their brow pomade. Yes. Because if my brows are not done, like my entire face could not be done and I could just be wearing moisturizer and sunscreen and that's it. But if my brows aren't done, I look like a ghost. I feel naked on my face. I am very, like I'll even use, well, one, that's such an OG product. Like that product will never go out as like a top product. It's so good. But I'm so that way, like normally, I mean, I'm wearing makeup today because I was like filming a ton and I was like, I might as well like do something for the vlog. That's like basically the only time I ever put makeup on. But (laughs) on a day to day basis, like I'll put on like my super group sunscreen that I'm obsessed with and it like makes my like face glow, brush out my brows and I have chopstick on and like that's what I do. But I'm the same way. Like my brows have to be like 
moved at least or something like I don't know I feel like it really just changes the game it really does and like looking at pictures before brows were a priority in my life to now I'm yeah. like never going back like the brow game never changes everything it's like giving yourself a facelift yes actually like it's like like yes. actually and I've actually done my own brows during quarantine which they're not as good as the usual when I used to get them done but I'm tweezing and dermaplaning I haven't tried waxing because I feel like I'm gonna wax my entire oh I'm terrified of that no my brows need to be done so bad I haven't even touched them but it's just because I can't like they look great because we're on a a webcam camera right now so you can't really see you know what I mean Um, (laughs) through the web through the webs they look great yeah thank you okay last question least favorite job you've ever had oh my god so my parents owned a Quiznos when I was like in middle school and I worked there when I was like 13 and I made sandwiches and that's your least favorite I wasn't interested I made sandwiches and I wrapped them felt like my potential (laughs) yeah I would like eat all the time like I would definitely snack all the time in between making sandwiches I don't know if it was working with my parents or you know making sandwiches I just felt like my potential was untapped yeah at 13 you felt capped where you were at you know it was a hard time yeah I was like I should be doing I started my first newsletter at the time too and I thought I was gonna like go to fashion school and all these things so like in my mind I was like I should be designing clothes and sewing clothes at home not making sandwiches so you thought you were gonna go to fit right like that's yeah where, that same thing for me and I didn't I was in LA and everything and I just I was gonna go eventually and then I ended up not going and I went to a different school but like fully was like I'm going to fit up and then it just like thank god I didn't yeah wholeheartedly god. and I you know I think the hills had such a big influence on me I hate to say it but it made it seem like greater than it was and I'm actually really thankful that I didn't go to FITM because all my friends who have gone to FITM they were like it didn't really help us that much and we're like still in debt from how expensive it was so I have one friend out of probably like 10 to 15 who loved it and the rest of them hated it most of them didn't finish like horror stories there but like one of my friends like loved it and it was such a good experience for her so maybe it's a case of like different majors and like you get what you put in type of thing but I just like yeah, I'm I think so glad also, I didn't do it I know it's like weird it's like a blessing in disguise like I was heartbroken that I didn't go I'm like my entire teenage like life is like falling <laughs> you know teenage dreams are like falling apart so my schooling was always really inexpensive so I was I'm like literally one of the few so lucky to not be in debt Only because my schooling was so inexpensive, not because it was like paid for outright always and stuff like that. It was just because I got really lucky and the schools I went to were so cheap. But like I think about it had I gone to that and then going, you know what I mean? Like I think exactly what we were saying in your episode kind of about like the idea of like God's timing and plan and stuff. And it's like the things when I was saying, I'm like the things I thought I really wanted that didn't end up happening. I'm so glad that they didn't happen because I would be in like $100,000 of debt right now, you know? At least. And it's crazy because my friends that I'm talking, they're like in their 30s and they're still paying it off. And unfortunately, like fashion jobs have never paid that much. And like if traditional like fashion jobs and now like who knows what the fashion industry is going to turn into. But yeah, so RIP to FITM. Not like to our FITM career. Not like to FITM as like Not like as a whole, just like in our lives. Yes. Okay. In our lives. So I wanted to talk about being a senior contributor at Forbes. It sounds very, very cool. I need to know all about it. Like how did you explain exactly what that means and also how you kind of connected that and with them? That title came to me. Like it showed up on my like on my back end, and I was like, "What is does that mean?" Even there's like a committee that looks over like at Forbes editors and a committee that looks over like contributors on the site. They look at like their the quality of their content, their frequency, and the types of maybe like profiles they're doing or types of topics that they're writing about. And so then they decide to add senior to that. And I think this it helps visibility like they push you on the page more gotcha but that's just about it like it just kind of gives you the stamp of approval like oh you're a good writer which is cool and how I got into Forbes well I 
kind of, I don't want to say manifested it, but it took like two years to like get into Forbes for me. I started writing for Elite Daily back when I was 20 after a really bad breakup. Like I was so torn and I wanted to do something crazy. And instead I ended up just writing about it. I was supposed to go to Nashville with this guy I was seeing. We were living in two different cities. He like the morning of broke up with me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And yeah. And I was like a mess. I ended up like rerouting my ticket and going to Palm Springs for a girls weekend instead. And I was so upset. Like I wanted to like call him and leave all these like voice messages and like all these like crazy things. Right. Like when you of course go through a breakup my friend was like, don't do that. I was like, okay, fine. Like, I'll write about it. So my first blog that I ever did was my shit show dating life. It was called like, yeah, my shit show dating life. (laughs) And I just basically went through my emotions and like talked about like how I felt like my dating life was just such a shit show. I ended up putting it out there and editor at Leap Daily or like a staff writer at Leap Daily saw it and she liked it, but she didn't end up publishing it she was like do you want to send us something else and maybe we can publish that and I sent them two stories 35 thoughts every woman has while working out and eight ways to get rid of the guy who won't give up and those two stories went viral like they got over a million views like within a couple days so they're like okay you can write for us so I started writing for Elite Daily but it was kind of like once every month like it wasn't like serious I wasn't getting paid which a lot of people don't realize, like, when it comes to writing, especially for bigger publications, the pay isn't really that great, but it's, like, exposure. And as I, like, went through the startup that I had, the virtual closet startup, and then as I worked for the VC and I tried, like, different careers and I had to sit in music, the one thing that always, like, people always asked me to do was write. Like, can you ghostwrite for me? Can you write this blog post? Can you write a caption? Can you... Fixer website copy. It always went back to writing. And eventually I was like ghostwriting for people who were on Inc. and like Forbes and Business Insider and all these places. And I was like, why can't I write for my under my own name? Like I don't need to ghostwrite. So I started pitching all these more businessy publications and I got no responses. Like silence. <laughs> follow-up after follow-up. And finally, this is like timing. After I got, like, laid off from the VC fund I worked at, like, the company dissolved, I wrote a book, and I got an agent, and we tried to shop it, but at the time, I had, like, no following, no podcast, no name, and, like, one of the things the publishers all told me, like, go, like, get a column somewhere and, like, start writing somewhere, and within, like, two months, I was at an event in LA, and I ran into an editor from Forbes Women. And I went up to her and was like, hey, like, I've been trying to email you and pitch you and all these other editors. I deserve to write for Forbes. That kind of took her back. She's like, you deserve. Like, you know, a lot of people, they don't say that. And I don't even know how that came out. It just came out of me. Like, I wasn't like, I'm going to go tell her this. It's just when I shook her hand, met her, that's what came out. And she was like, okay, we'll do a test piece. Like, email me. We were on email. I had a picture, like 10 different stories. We did a test piece. It performed well. And then I became a contributor. And then within a little over a year, I got bumped up to senior contributor. Wow. Okay. I have a lot of questions. For ghostwriting, how common is it that people have ghostwriters? It's pretty common. So think about it. A lot of people, if you're a freelance writer... A lot of people that are, like, writing, they do it for exposure or they do it to, like, build their name or build their brand. And they have, like, another business or, like, a CEO somewhere. They have – they're an executive or they are, like, an influencer or they're doing something else. Writing isn't their main job. So they don't really actually have time to sit there and write, right, or come Mm -hmm. up with story ideas. They have someone else do it. Most of the time they do review it and like they add their edit notes, but it's really pretty common. And like with books as well for people who are like big CEOs or like celebrities or, you know, are something else, they have ghostwriters as well. And like yeah. sometimes your their ghostwriter will be like mentioned inside of the book or something. But it, yeah, it's pretty common. That's crazy. I mean, I know in the sense of like, I just know with influencer books, like 
very yeah. familiar with that space in terms of ghostwriting. But I just, I don't know. I never thought about it in like articles. I just, I don't know. A lot of the contributors to like a lot of these business sites, especially, I wouldn't say as much for like fashion and lifestyle and beauty, but I would say for like a lot of like the business kind of tech sites, a lot of times there is a ghostwriter. And I've still gotten asked by random people to ghostwrite for them. I'm like, no. Like for like Forbes or like a publication. Like I'm no, I'm like, no, I'm not doing you know, I'm not doing that you're like already in. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll ghostwrite if like you need someone for like your personal blog or like you need help with a book, but like not for like a publication. When you were meeting with like you said for a, a, the book originally before like the writing for Forbes and stuff. Yeah. How did you like meet your agent? How did you what was that like the process of like talking to publishers and stuff? Like what did that look like? So I started contacting people on LinkedIn and I had a friend that so I was signed with APA. What is that? It's like the fourth biggest talent agency okay. in LA. Gotcha, gotcha. It's like on San Vicente and Olympic. Okay. It's like in West Hollywood. I don't know. But they they have a literary department. I put together like a whole like pitch deck, like 30 pages. And I my friend at the time was also like he was on the talent side of things. And so he introduced me to Sean, who became my agent, and we took a meeting and he looked over what I what I had written so far, and he was like, I like it. Let's do it. And then we put together a whole book proposal, which was like 80 pages. And then he started pitching it to publishers on my behalf. And as feedback would come in, like we would meet, and he'd be like, okay, this is what they're saying. This is what you need to do. These are your next steps. And eventually it was like overall as a whole, like, my writing was never criticized. It was my platform. Because um, they, like, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows this, but people care really now about, like, having a following on Instagram, having, you know, a forward-facing platform, and I didn't have that. So I had to go back to the drawing board, and everything I've been doing since has been, like, reverse engineering getting a book deal. What are the pitch deck and like a book proposal? What do those consist of? So it consists of everything. Like it's like a business plan. So it consists of everything like from your competition to projected sales, your marketing plan, your go-to-market strategy, obviously like your table of contents, your chapters. And you don't have to write like the full book out completely, but you have to have at least like a couple pages from each chapter in the book. And then like endorsements kind of future plans for the book yeah it's like basically a business plan how do you figure out what projected sales would be like especially without having I know in the sense of like influencer world but like how would you figure that out like how would you estimate projected sales so you just kind of look back like you kind of compare like industry standards for the type of book you're releasing and you can compare like the publishers or like your agent can numbers and stats from like other books in the similar space and see how they performed and then if you've never sold anything before like that's kind of a hard metric to do so it's kind of a guessing game um so like based off of your marketing plan and you know if you have like an email list or a newsletter or something like that and you know your go-to-market strategy you build off of those numbers so let's say like you're like I have an email list of like 5,000 people and maybe 10% of people out of my list of 5,000 people are going to buy this book so that's like you know 500 people and then that's one like vertical and then we have like getting press and maybe out of the press we'll sell a thousand copy like you know just building up on like your marketing plan and using numbers that you have to work with to make a projection but it's at the end of the day it's all like smoking it's hard to like pin a number down because you don't know yeah no that's like really difficult so when you're writing for Forbes do you get to come up with the topics or like how does that work so for the most part I get to come up with I, I have the authority to write about, like, what I want to write about. Obviously, like, 
my editor has suggestions and she'll like especially during COVID it's shifted a lot they really want us to focus on like coronavirus topics whether it comes to businesses or startups or you know how businesses are pivoting is like huge like how the medical world is doing like they don't they've really put an emphasis on like making more meaningful like content like unemployment rates like they love they made it very clear they want the content to be like pandemic focused and pandemic related so I've had to like shift my strategy a little bit more and I've had to turn down a lot more pitches on things that are not tied to this at all which has been kind of hard but I get it like we're in a world where that's what what's on top of people's mind but yeah prior to this I definitely could choose the topics I'd want to write about our editors would give us like they send us emails like every day on what they kind of want to see and they kind of suggest topics and sometimes they assign us topics as well and this is like also interesting to me because I read this stuff all the time like I live for a good article like I love this stuff I wanted to switch gears a little bit into kind of like overall career I think right now something that we talked about like off camera off recording whatever it was just the topic of like so many people having actually we talked about this in your podcast but like so many people having to like move home if you're living in a big city yes oh my god just the topic of I mean the fact that people are spending New York rent and and LA rent and not even getting the benefits of the city I can't even imagine how frustrating I mean I can't imagine I was paying LA rent when I was in Texas but like it still is so it's just so frustrating but I know that you actually like at one point moved back to Kansas and I think a lot of people I would love for you to speak on that because I think a lot of people it can be discouraging or it's just like a really scary space to you know we don't really have like control of our own lives right now almost in the sense of like career-wise or whatever and it's just overwhelming so I would love to hear just a little bit on your take of like LA and also like going back to Kansas and all that stuff yeah so when I was 19 was I 19 yeah so I had moved out here And I had gotten a job, an intern that turned into a job and like a stylist gig at Nordstrom. I've never been a stylist. Don't ask me how I finagled that. I came to a point where I had a semester left of school and I hadn't been in LA for like a full year. So I didn't get the resident rate or like a cheaper rate for college. I had to pay out of state. And this job like in this entertainment fashion production company turned into like a nightmare job. Like I thought it was my dream job. But my boss was awful, like actually awful. Like I was crying every day. And at that point, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I'm not done with school. I need to finish school. And I hate my job. I kind of hate my life. I'm not even getting to enjoy LA because I was working seven days a week. So I made the decision, like I talked to my parents, they're like, look, like if you stay in LA, like you're going to be spending – maybe an extra year or year and a half in college to transfer everything because not everything transfers. And then you're going to be spending like close to like 60K. Like, do you want to do that? I was like, no. So I made the hard decision of like leaving LA, going back to Wichita, which is where I'm from, finishing school there. And that's where like I got the idea for starting an app. And I kind of like pursued that. And I won like a business competition. And then I ended up moving back. It is really difficult because you feel kind of like a failure, even though like you didn't necessarily fail. And you're so young And you just had to like, right. Like you, yeah, like I didn't fail. It just, I had different goals and like, kind of like we said on like my podcast, like there are certain things and you said this earlier too, like you're so glad they didn't, it didn't happen because you needed to be somewhere else at that time or focus on something else. And I needed... I mean, school was obviously getting a degree was important to me. And I got to go into a totally different direction. And if I didn't stay in L.A., I don't know if I would have. But I also think, like, if I stayed in L.A., like, I probably would have just gotten a job somewhere else. And who knows if I'd be even writing. Like, who knows? Like, I think everything happens for a reason. And going home, especially, like, I lived with my parents when I went back home, it feels like it's like an ego thing too because you don't want the people that if in your hometown to think like 
you're a loser and you failed. And that's how I thought. Like I had to let go of my ego and be like, okay, I'm doing this for me and like my future. And I can't think about what anyone else is thinking of me. I think for people who are moving back now, which a lot of people are, it's a crazy time because we can't control what's happening. And it's not like our choice in a way. It's like not like no longer have a job because of COVID and your company is like out of business that you worked for or, you know, you can't afford to pay rent anymore or things like that. Like it's because of a pandemic, like it's out of our control. The biggest advice I would say it's not a permanent thing. It's like temporary. So it's like you can always move back and it's a perfect time to kind of refocus yourself and figure out like where you want to put your energy towards. And I think moving home sometimes you need that to kind of refocus and reset. And maybe if you stayed where you were, you wouldn't have the opportunity or that, that like be in that mental state to be able to do so. Yeah. I think too, it's like a time you like kind of almost recenter in a way for lack of a better term. And I think yeah, too, just depending on like locations and where you're at, I really think that in order to like hear clearly and get clarity on what you really want, sometimes you need to be in a different location because it's like there's this quote yeah. that's like insanity is doing the same thing every single day and ex- or over and over again and expecting a different outcome. Over, yeah. Yeah, and so it's like I think sometimes, you know, I feel for everyone who's having to move and it's not their decision and it's not what they want right now. And, you know, I think we're all in the same boat of – Things are all over the place, and I think the one, and I this is kind of awful to say because I'm really not a very competitive person with, like, my friend, like, anything like that, but I think the saving grace with this is I think a lot of the time when people move home and, like, especially now moving home when you're not making that choice because you want to, you know, I think there's lack of FOMO right now because, like, no one else is able to do so much either. You know what I mean? Like, you can't be like, oh, this person is, like, killing it and, like, this certain field or whatever it's like you have to remember the entire world is on pause like it's not like you have like a little bit less weight as far as pressure pressure even though there's added anxieties of like the unknown and just all of that stuff altogether. but I really do think sometimes like in order to get clarity and in order to like go to the next level or to figure it out, sometimes you have to take a few steps back and sometimes you need to be somewhere else in order to be able to hear something else. So I think that this is going to be a time where, like, obviously this is something we're always going to refer back to and I can't wait for the day when we're at that point. But I think this is going to be a time. I'm praying. I can't pray. I'm like, God, like, please give me the serenity and the peace to, like, keep going and trekking. Yes. And, like, you know, I pray that every morning because otherwise I'm like, What's the point of all this? What do you think has really been helping you get through quarantine, especially being a very driven, like young female that's like ready to go? For me, it's a couple things like praying and meditating for sure. Mm -hmm. Because without those two, like I do daily Bible verse, but I also use like Headspace and like a few other meditation apps, working out and kind of. I keep reminding myself like a lot of the things that are happening are outside of my control. Yes. Like it's not, and we talked about this on my podcast, like it has no reflection of who I am and like my worth. It's an outside force that I can't control. And so I really try to also tighten my community, like especially like my close friends and family, like talking to them every day and like making sure I have like a resource, like if I need to vent or if I need to like cry or if I need to like laugh, you know, whatever it is, like having someone there or like a group of people there for me. And I can't even imagine and my heart breaks for people who are quarantining alone because I can imagine that's like so difficult, but I'm like quarantining with my boyfriend and my sister. And so I have like a support group and yeah, so I would say like, and I talk to my parents every day and they like keep me grounded and remind me about the important things in life. So I think having that support group initially, you know, having my like spiritual life, like growing into that. And then at the same time, doing things that are healthy for my mind and body, like working out, eating healthy, going on walks, things like that. No, that's like literally exactly what I've been doing. I think it's also, I'm really big into like leaning into where you're at. And it's like, we all have like different seasons and like phases of life. And so it's like, I don't want to miss 
what like I believe like God has for me in this time of life like I don't want to miss like what I'm supposed to get out of this even if it's a situation that is literally awful but it's like I don't want to miss it and I really think that you know I'm like very weird in the sense of like when bad things happen I'm not talking about even like quarantine just like un uh, not like when inconvenient things happen, that's what I call things that I like, don't that's like. That's a good word. Inconvenient. Yeah. But when things like that happen, it's like I always look back and I'm like, I grew so much from that. And I'm almost like excited to see how like not even just myself, but like so many like friends and people around me are like different from this. And I also almost like the like the simple life that this has brought. Like I feel like I have so much time to like go on long walks and like all of these things that I would have never done before because I'm like, no, work, work, work. I got to get this stuff done. And I actually really like the slow paced, simple life. And I don't know how long I'll survive it, but. And we talked about this, like I never thought in my life because I've always been like a hustle, bustle, like fast paced girl. And I've been attracted to that. And I've thought about like, oh, it would be nice to like go away and like live in like some cabin in the middle of nowhere and like write all day and drink tea and like go hiking like and I've never and I've never and I've craved it and I've like felt it so much during this time and I've even like randomly have craved like and I've never craved this I know some girls like think about having kids and like just being a stay-at-home mom I've seen okay I've literally I'm like I can't wait to be like at home with my kids and, like, waking up in bed yes. with my kids and my dog. No, literally, I have never had baby fever before in my entire life, ever. And I was just talking about this. Like, I am the same way. I mean, I wanted kids, but I, like, never was like, oh, my God, I want a baby. And I'll, like, sit there and I'm like, oh, my gosh, imagine if I was holding a baby right now. Like, that would be so fun and cute. Like, I don't know if I'm just so bored to the point where I want kids. Yeah, I know. I'm like, am I? Yes. No, exactly. But I think there's, like, a maternal instinct in me. Like, so many older women that I've talked to you about this are, like, in your 20s at some point, like, a maternal instinct kind of kicks in. And it happens to, like, a lot of people. And I feel like mine hit during quarantine. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I cannot wait to have a baby. I cannot wait to, like, have, like, a golden doodle and all of this stuff and, like, be married and whatever. And I was never that person. I wanted to be married at 30. Like, nothing. And now I'm, like, I actually would be – like, not that I – envision this for my life but like I would be so content just doing that like it's so but I think it's because oh uh, you literally took the words out of my mouth like I was like you know what if like you know I never get a book I mean I'm going to get a book published but in my head I'm like if I never get a book published and like or if I just write like children's books and like have a family and like live a simple life and you know go to church on the weekend and and pray and with my kids and like I just am thinking about these things I'm like I'm like who am I and and I wonder if it's just being able to be with ourselves that we're hearing our inner true selves or desires or wants that maybe we were too distracted to hear I don't know I think too my my kind of theory that I have on this topic is that I really don't think that that will just be my life I think I'm always gonna like be really driven like I think that for both of us but I think yes as well like I don't actually see this happening for us but I think there's something about the quarantine that has made me realize like the simple things in life like even to the like I'm I joke that I'm like the new okay sis because I'm so into like gratitude journal and all this stuff now But it's made me realize, like, really, really what I care about. And I think at the end of the day, like, that's what I care the most about. But I still am so driven. And, like, I would not – I'm a – I would be a better mom because I work and I will be a better wife because I do all this stuff. But it's, like, now I'm really looking forward to that stage of my life where it's, like, I wasn't – before I was, like, okay, let's put it off, put it off. Not that I'm, like, rushing to do anything like that now or anything like that, but I'm, like – really looking forward to those days and I wasn't I was not there a few months ago and now I'm like all right I want a baby but like not really you know what I mean I think I want a baby right yeah no no no. I know I told my boyfriend how I was feeling he's like uh I'm like no I mean I don't mean like right now like I mean like (laughs) obviously in like five years or like whatever but like I I was like I've never craved that wanting a family that bad and it makes me so like so comforting to hear you say it because I thought I was like crazy I'm like not crazy, but I'm like, why am I feeling this so yeah. like intensely? No, I'm the so same, I'm literally in the same place. Like, I cannot wait for that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and who knows where if I'll be in LA? And that's another thing because I've been craving that so much. It's made me think about: 
do I want to be in LA forever? Would I want to raise kids here? Like I've had those thoughts and granted, who knows? Like, I feel like you have to be like a multi multi-millionaire to like raise a family here mm-hmm. to like comparatively to like Texas. Like you can go much far, like farther with yeah. like your buck. So <laughs> with your buck for sure. <laughs> no, something that I really have like loved you just kind of the overall theme I, I love you talk about is just kind of doing it and figuring it out later like I feel like you say yes to a lot of things like from listening to you on other podcasts of like flying out to things and acting like you live there in that city or taking the job at Nordstrom when you like had no experience as a stylist I love hearing that from you do you think you just have this like innate confidence or do you just like jump into something you're afraid of and like go from there the confidence comes from that I know that I'll figure it out I also when something scares me or I want to do something first I've also learned that I need to know how to do it a little bit like the app like the biggest mistake I did with the app is I'm not an engineer or a coder and I think if I actually knew how to code it would have gone farther than it did but I don't know but that's like one thing I've learned but yeah saying yes to like all opportunities that like come your way because you never know what doors are going to open and even if that door closes that you say yes to another door could open from it and it could be even like bigger and better than you would have expected and I'm still like dealing with this like a lot of the things I'm saying yes to they don't pan out like I want them to or it doesn't like come to fruition the way that I had envisioned But then something else comes out of it or it like because it pivoted or there was a setback, I was able to grow from it and like make it even better. And what I've learned from interviewing all these big CEOs and executives and like a billion dollar companies is that that's what has made them successful. And that's really like on my show, when I interview these people, I really, that's like the big focus. Like that's why it's called I Suck at Life. It's not because like, okay, I suck at some things. It's not because you suck like inherently it's because we're all like not perfect at everything but the way we look at sucky moments or failures or setbacks and the way where you're able to turn it around and make it into something better that's one of the secrets to success in my opinion so no a hundred percent I think something that I talk about pretty frequently on the podcast is the concept of don't be married to your first idea because so often yes. it's not even the third or the fourth. Sometimes it's the sixth, the seventh, the twenty-second. That like that's really like you nailed it there. And so and it o- might take years. Yes, it could take years. And it's like I feel like growing up, I was really, really tunnel visioned, and I was like, this is what I'm gonna do, and there's nothing about else. And and like I would pass up other opportunities that I probably should have taken that could have led me down a different route. And it's like. Now, while I'm glad, I'm happy where I'm at, so I'm glad I did that, but I think even in the, con- like, I started on YouTube, and then it's, like, that branched into podcasting, and this is the, who knows what this will branch into, so many things, I think it's just, you have to, like, you can't hold your goals and your dreams, like, so tightly in your hand, like, you have to hold it with an open hand, and be open to other opportunities, because I think more often than not, like, I don't know if I necessarily think we don't really even know what we want, but I think there's more out there that we would actually like thrive in than we even realize, especially in this digital space where like these careers didn't even exist 10 years ago. So everyone's always like, what's your five-year plan? I'm like, I don't know because like what I did five years ago, this wasn't a thing, you know? Yeah. And like, that's my dad. I have this conversation with my dad all the time. He doesn't understand. He's like, so does this turn into like a job? I'm like, no, this is a, this is a job. Like, and it's so true. And then like, we don't even know. Sometimes we have to be put in these tough situations to tap our full potential and maybe areas like opportunities that scare us or make us feel uncomfortable because we're never going to grow in like a stagnant, you know, area in life or like a stagnant like routine of doing things. A hundred percent. The last thing I wanted to talk to you about is just kind of knowing when to leave the room or when to kind of like shelf something as an entrepreneur. How do you know when it's like, okay, this is, and this is the thing I think I struggle with just in my day-to-day life. So I'm really curious to see what you have to say, but knowing when it's time to kind of give up on something, at least for now versus like keep pushing through. It depends what it is. I think it comes down to like, for me, for the app, I had to let that go because it was literally a fact of like I couldn't survive (laughs) like I couldn't like pay bills and I was putting all my resources and my savings into it and like 
do I wish I would have bought like a couple properties instead of, you know, yes, or like invested it in like the stock market a thousand percent. So like realizing like it was actually holding me back and deteriorating me and also hurting people around me. So I think knowing when to let something go is like kind of back to what you're saying when you said insanity is the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So if you've tried different avenues and different way of doing things with whatever you're working on and they're still not working, it might be time to like reevaluate it. And again, it depends on what it is because if it's like a digital thing, like you're doing stuff digitally, the risk it's like your time, I guess, but like you're not risking, you know, that much money. There's no like actual physical space or like things like that. So maybe you can pursue that a little bit longer, but if it's like a brick and mortar business or like a startup or like an e-commerce store or something like that, where like there's a lot of money involved and a lot of people and partners involved, if it's deteriorating to yourself and to them and it's holding everyone back, it's time to let go or find a new way to do things. And that might be putting it on the shelf for a little bit, or that might be just completely letting it go. How did you deal with it, like, emotionally as you chose to do that? Like, what were the following months like? The worst. And, like, at the same time, I had a landlord that, like, evicted my roommate and I because we tried to sue him for a gas leak. And I was living on, like, my friend's couch in Venice, like, and I couldn't find like a job and I was taking random like writing, copywriting and ghostwriting gigs. It was a really tough time. And then I got influenza B34. Like I literally everything right. hit at once like a tornado. And I contemplated going back home again. But I was like, no, I'm going to like stay in L.A. And I figured it out. But it's hard. Like you have to have a funeral for what you're letting go. Like you actually have to grieve it. It's like having a funeral. And it's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. And maybe, like, it took me, like, a year to really, like, detach myself from it. Like, because I was so attached to it. Like, it was, like, me. And I've gotten better at, like, detaching myself from my worth related to work. But it's a continuous thing. And, like, quarantine even more has made me, like, detach myself from my work. It's a really hard thing to do. Well, thank you so much. I loved this episode. Can you let everyone know where they can find you? So you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, um, where else? Twitter. We love TikTok. We're getting there, okay? We're working <laughs> on TikTok. We're going to have dance lessons. Don't you worry. Yola Robert. You can find the podcast on Instagram at I Suck at Life Podcast. And you can find the podcast I Suck at Life everywhere podcasts are streamed. And you can find my work at Forbes if you just type in Yola Robert. That's the thing, first thing that comes up. And then I'm also a relationship and dating writer on the Zoe Report. Love so, it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. And we'll see each other eventually or... <laughs> through zoom who knows uh, who knows oh my gosh again we recorded a podcast swap so there is another episode on the i second life podcast as well so go check that out all right guys that is it for today's episode i hope you guys enjoyed i love you guys so much as always don't forget to leave a nice rating and review check out the newsletter it's always linked down below okay guys i'll talk to you next week bye